Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to a Healthy Dose of Dialogue podcast. I'm your host, Donnie Tanucci. I'm excited to welcome Dr. Tom Lee to the podcast. Tom is the founder and CEO of Galileo, a telemedicine company that aims to provide quality health care that is affordable and accessible to everyone. Prior to Galileo, Tom was the founder and visionary behind One Medical, a membership-based primary care practice. And before that, he founded Hippocrates, a breakthrough medical reference app. In this episode, we'll hear from Tom about his journey and personal mission to transform healthcare, his insights on healthcare trends that are growing, and his thoughts on where we have opportunities to make a difference in the healthcare experience. Thanks for joining me, Tom. Thanks, John. Happy to be here. Well, hey, I uh, wanted to start out and just say you are the founder and visionary behind Hippocrates and One Medical and Galileo, uh, you know, really exciting companies and organizations in healthcare, and they're all designed to change the way healthcare is delivered. To start out, what really inspired you to start these companies? The first company, Hippocrates, it was a school project that a few friends and I from Stanford uh, fell into, and <laughs> it became a company. Uh, we all wanted to, uh, you know, cut our teeth in startups, and so uh, that was our first foray into, you know, learning what it means to be an entrepreneur. I went to business school mostly to start One Medical, so that was the real company that I wanted to build and start. Um, and you know was able to obviously uh, leverage my background from Hippocrates as I you know started to build out one medical and and Galileo is kind of a, a bit of a, a, a different story. It's really you know given the insights of what we were doing within one medical, uh, the broader arc for me is always how do I impact more lives and it, particularly you know given my medical training, the most you know complex and underserved lives. So what we wanted to do was build out, kind of a next-gen model that could reach uh, more lives more effectively with a, a digital-first platform. That's great. Yeah, your background, so I noticed, so you've got a, a Bachelor's of Science in Biology from Yale. You went to University of Washington for medical school and then the MBA from Stanford. Um, you know, did you know the whole time that you really wanted to eventually get into business or is that something that just kind of you know came together for you either through those educational experiences or just based on needs that you were seeing in a market like healthcare yeah i mean uh, uh hopefully i wasn't that planful to know that that would have been my career i don't think i would have plotted it that way um if i had started off doing so i mean um uh, the reality is, is, you know, I was a good student. I liked doing a lot of things. Um, I didn't really have a, a crystal ball for what I wanted to do, but I knew I loved helping people and I loved um, the sciences and the arts. And so medicine seemed like a natural career path for me. And I loved the practice of medicine. So I really uh, uh, imagined myself being an academic uh, general internist or primary care physician just because of the breadth of the profession and the ability to impact lives. What I didn't anticipate was this thing called the healthcare system uh, impeding what's possible between uh, well-intentioned clinicians and 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 care-seeking patients from a, a system that's just kind of gotten out of control. So um, ultimately, I, I ended up pursuing a business degree out of necessity because uh, there was this mysterious thing called the healthcare system, and everybody said, you know, 
there, there are a lot of other factors, mostly economic, but organizational, political, regulatory, that are, are driving the system uh, away from what I think we all aspire uh, to from a, a healthcare perspective. When did you first start to really see how big of a problem things were with healthcare and how imperfect it was in terms of being set up as an industry? Uh, I think most people from afar know it's been big, bad, and broken for quite some time. Anybody who's ever had a family member uh, involved in the healthcare system has heard anecdotes. So I, I think from a patient experience perspective, I think it's it's been that way, unfortunately, particularly over the last 30 years. Um, when you look at the enormity of the problem, you know, that's also been the last 20 to 30 years, but um, knowing how hyperinflationary healthcare is, um, I, I don't think is, a, is an economic mystery to the average person who's following politics and otherwise. So I think the, the real underlying question I had was, why does it keep getting bigger, badder, and more broken. <laughs> and um, and I think, you know, now having uh, built out a career in it, I understand why. Uh, obviously, nobody's designing the system the way uh, it currently is. And it's been a patchwork of, you know, well-intended fixes and patches to a system that ultimately isn't designed around the patient. You've been so successful with the companies that you've started, and I'm sure you've got, you know, both within those, you know, companies, some failures as well that you could probably speak to. But I'm more curious just to understand what would you say is the recipe for success in a company, you know, and, or somebody that's an entrepreneur going into healthcare? Because having been in this industry myself for about 25 years, a lot of it on the health plan side, a little bit on the on the startup technology side, it's not easy, right, to take an idea mm -hmm. to actual market with a service or a product. What's been your special recipe for success to make that happen? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting question. You know, I've lived through multiple hype cycles now, and um, it's rare that you have durable solutions that make a difference particularly on the, the dimensions that matter, right? If, if, if the dimensions that matter are exit value and you know, return to investors, there's a lot of great wins in healthcare. If the, the metric is, uh, you know, how is the quality of care improved? How is the variation reduced? How is total cost of care um, uh, reduced? How's affordability improved? I think there are a lot of goose eggs on the on the scoreboard today, and um, and I don't diminish the efforts. I just think it's really hard because you have to uh, optimize. You know what I often tell entrepreneurs that want to you know fix healthcare, particularly folks that haven't been in healthcare, is you're not solving for a classic, you know what I call two constraint model, which is you know uh, the consumer's got to want it. And it's got to be at an affordable price point where you can make the economics work, right? Uh, uh, meaning it's got to generate profits. Um, those are the easy aspects of you know what, what we what we traditionally think of as a free market business. Uh, healthcare is far from a free market business, and so the consumers are different from the buyers. The distributors are completely um, consolidated, but the ultimate good that you want is. The individual clinician, <laughs> and they're all fractured and 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 surrogate to the distribution channel. So you end up with a, just a, a Byzantine uh, 
financial and organizational complex that is is multiple layers like people think oh it's just the health plan well there's a lot of intermediaries between <laughs> just the health plan and the uh, and patient and the and the provider so given all of that um it's really hard to navigate that and then t to disrupt it um and to design the economics that work in a what i would call a contra system uh, uh, manner, meaning you're working against the economics of the system to design a more innovative solution. So it, it, it's uh, definitely a lot of headwinds, which is why I think I particularly enjoy entrepreneurship. I have some, you know, other interests and side type of work, but in terms of the complexity and the economic challenges, I find um, healthcare particularly satisfying. That's that's interesting. I'm wondering how you'd react to this. I mean, I get the sense from you, one, persistence, right? I mean, that, that's got to happen. But more importantly with you, I get the sense that it's been curiosity about the system. And I don't even know if there's something about maybe respect's not the right word, but hey, we understand what the big challenges are. We understand what the roadblocks are. We understand what, you know, how current state is. And respecting that a bit, would that be right, or is that is that off in terms of how you thought about things? Yeah, I think that's right. I think you know people are so quick to judge from outside. They say, "Oh, there's just bad, greedy people, or people that have no clue." And if they just did this, or it's all about preventative health, and and so they're well-intentioned people from the sidelines that haven't been on the field. And in reality, you know, you, you do need a level of respect for how the system is operating. Um, because if you work against it, um, you're just, you know, it, it's a fool's errand. You're working against a $4 trillion system that has all the incentives aligned to do what it's doing. So it's, you know, rationally irrational. You can't just say, oh, just behave rationally. It's, it's unintentionally designed irrationally. And so, but if you know that, then you can use the forces to work for good. Um, and it's just like any other uh, system or tool, if you understand how it actually operates, then you can start to migrate it in the right direction. But I don't think m many people bother. And it, 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 I understand why. It's 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 so large and daunting um, that to the average uh, individual, it would take a long time to uh, truly understand. Yeah. So when you look at, uh, you know, Galileo right now, based on, you know, one medical before, and then Hippocrates, you know, before that, you know, I've done a little research on Galileo, and you talk a little bit about, I believe, wanting to set up this technology and this service so that you can raise the standards of healthcare for all, including rural communities. Um, mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit more about Galileo and what the vision is. Is that really the vision there? Um, and um, and then, or is there more? And then, secondly. I wanted to get a little bit into the pandemic and COVID, just understand from your point of view, how much that's either been really, you know, doesn't mean that much to your business model or it's actually helped maybe accelerate it a bit. So I was just curious on, you know, both the mission of Galileo and, and if that's right, and then the impact of COVID. Yeah, I think that's right. I think, you know, uh, I'm big on, you know, compounding and leverage and taking your prior learnings and building 
something better off of that. So at some level, Galileo is leveraging my expertise from both Hippocrates and One Medical, um, knowing that you know healthcare is far far from solved. So you know if healthcare was solved, I'd work on another interesting problem, I think. But um, but as far as I can tell, <laughs> it's still hyperinflationary and broken. So. Um, uh, it, for us, the mission of Galileo is the next order, kind of second order derivative, which is let's go after quality directly. Let's go after costs directly. Let's design a system that scales and really go to the hardest far reaching corners of where, you know, they're quote unquote healthcare deserts and uplift and level out the quality of care and affordability of care for everybody. So it, it, it's the same broader mission of One Medical, which is to improve the quality and affordability for all. But I think we're driving a little bit uh, uh, more aggressively into the darkest reaches. And through that, everybody will benefit. Um, so that is kind of definitely what we're working on. And, and uh, you know, you, you can't say something as radical as that while having some plausibility to do it. So, you know, that's the harder nut. Um, but we feel pretty good about um, early proof points and traction so far. And, um, you know, it's it's a constant improving game. Nothing's kind of built overnight. But, you know, in our first you know couple of years, I think we've made a lot of headway. Um, when it comes to COVID, you know, you know, clearly we were not started, in, you know, with this in mind, but, uh, you know, we were a basically a digital first model with a high intensity home care component. So kind of a two pronged strategy, much more capitalite. The way we describe, you know, it is, you know, we're kind of almost the mirror image of One Medical. One Medical is mostly uh, urban and an office based environment with a digital extension, which is a fantastic model. Uh, particularly compared to the status quo. Um, and we're really kind of a digital first model and a high intensity home care model um, with a completely different quality and cost profile. So uh, that's how we've kind of looked at it. And COVID has been obviously net positive in terms of you know what the market is desired. Um, people think it's all kind of roses and, and, you know, people put these, you know, 2000% increase numbers, you know, but it's easy when it's like, you know, 1% of your business to have a 2000% increase. So <laughs> I think we're a little bit in a choppy hype cycle right now, too. Um, so uh, as much as uh, sure, everything's moving into digital first world, and everybody wants to have their telehealth solution, um, the long term economics and the long term uh, you know, framework about how does this truly change the nature of, again, the quality and the cost, I think is a still TBD. And um, I also think we're dealing with a lot more economic uncertainty from buyers of healthcare and um, providers of healthcare. So I think there's still, you know, uh, more to be uh, told on this story. Rarely is a story told in a quarter or two in healthcare. So I think there's at least another two to four more quarters of shakeout as to what this truly means. But um, for us, it's been net positive. Yeah. Yeah. And so you had made a comment in one of your other interviews around, you know, and this was some months ago where, you know, COVID or the pandemics cracked the seal open a bit on virtual care a bit more. You know, looking at that, I, I would agree. I, I would say it's it's done the same thing, um, and people are getting more familiar with it. And I think you also made the comment too, but that doesn't mean that hey, everything goes to virtual care tomorrow or next year. There's going to be a slow progression. So putting virtual care aside for a minute, 
when you think about other technology, you know, like voice, um, artificial intelligence, machine learning, all these other components, how much in your work with Galileo or just in your thinking, are you constantly thinking about um, how to bring services together to hit the mission that you're looking at um, and kind of, you know, skate where the puck's going, if you will, if you even agree that, hey, those are going to be mm-hmm. huge components, voice, artificial intelligence, machine learning, all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, most of the elements and, you know, our, you know remote part, uh, patient monitoring, all this kind of stuff that is also garnering a lot of attention now are kind of no-brainer building blocks for the future. Um, so it's like saying, you know, our super the future is going to have vegetables and meat and broth like sure uh that is true they will be key ingredients in the future soup soup of the future but um you know how you put it together and how does it taste and and do people buy it um ultimately i think that's going to matter more so i think people get overly uh distracted by the ingredients you know meaning the tech and less about what's the experience, what's the product, what's the service. And and as the ingredients get increasingly commodified, I think um, how you put them together is gonna be more important. You make me think about a framework. I don't know if you use these frameworks or how you think about it, but like what I think about, whether it's any business um, or people that are buying a service, you, you know, first you gotta be known, liked and trusted, right? The whole awareness thing. Then there's gotta be value, right? And then there's got to be perceived differentiation a lot of times. And if you can, you know, pull that together, you know, and I, I use things like product price, promotion, distribution, you know, marketing, you know, do you have frameworks like that that you think about? And do you agree that that's basically the, that's the recipe that, that people have to nail and, and really think through to be successful as entrepreneurs? I'm definitely a framework thinker, but I don't have frameworks that I just kind of roll off the top of my head. <laughs> they're just sitting in there uh, yeah i uh i i like kind of you know making sense of the world but uh but usually not off of a template yeah <laughs> yeah but there are some good ones for sure the four p's and otherwise yeah yeah for sure so it sounds like you just kind of come to those through the, you know the way you approach things in your curiosity um yeah i mean you know ultimately it's about intensity you have to try to solve the problem you know most people aren't trying to solve the problem they're trying to figure out how to make money or you know the the, the short-term things that kind of are critical for survival but may or may not solve the problem i like kind of trying to solve the problem And, and so that's really interesting so what you're saying basically what's worked for you at least is yeah, the business model is important. That kind of comes after the fact. You're focusing on a problem that I need to solve, and then we'll figure out the model behind it. Is that kind of how you've approached these these organizations and companies? I think that's a fair way to describe it. You know, n- normally the problem may not be as broad as what Galileo's problem is, but you know, within a broader problem, there need to be sub problems, um, and um, ultimately, that's how I like to build businesses. Um, you know, I'd like to build a business that solves problems, generally speaking. <laughs> you know, not everybody's like that, but, you know, uh, call me foolish. But uh, so, um, so yeah, and, and, uh, and the business model is a constraint or an area to focus on, but if people only focus on, you know, like uh, similar to a lot of uh, young entrepreneurs say, well, I've been thinking about, well, the trend in 
and the future is going to be in digital devices. And so I want to start up and I'm like, well, sure, that's true. But what problem does it solve? And what do you want to solve? Like what personally, you know, uh, like I, I think the higher order questions are, I think, generally better for creating more durable businesses than, you know, what's in front of you from a pattern matching perspective. Yeah. So I'm curious, too, because as I was listening to one of your other interviews as well, um, it's I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about you growing up. Um, it sounded like you had a wide variety of interests and passions. And uh, in one of the interviews, I heard supportive parents. Um, and I'm just curious how that, you know, kind of shaped your direction, you know, going into you know, medicine and, and getting your MBA and all of that. But could you talk a little bit about kind of where you grew up and, and what you were focused on as, as maybe a kid? Uh, you know, my parents are extremely um, uh, amazing parents. They, they you know, cr uh, created a fertile ground of support and curiosity. There was probably some weird curiosity gene I was born with as well. So you take those two in concert and, and, and that's kind of where you end up with somebody's gotten too many degrees and maybe too many um, uh, companies. But um, uh, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, I'm a positive person. And I think my parents just, you know, supported, you know, all my endeavors, even as ridiculous as they may have seemed, you know, I just remember after I was finishing, you know, whatever it was, 10 years of uh, training or whatever, <laughs> after going through all my medical training, um, uh, telling my friends, you know, I, I want to try to fix the healthcare system. And I'm thinking about going to business school. And they're like, you're crazy. You know, your parents are never going to, you know, both my parents are doctors. So they're like, they're never going to, like, what? You go to, and at that time, you know, and still generally speaking, business was considered anathema to medicine, particularly in academic, you know, ivory towers. And so they're like, well, you're going to the, dark side to, you know, to make money. And, um, and so it was a bit of a challenge, but my parents are shockingly supportive and, uh, you know, those type of, you know, decisions are not easy. And I think, uh, you know, my parents just said, whatever makes you happy. So that's, that's, how I went. <laughs> that's cool. so when, you know, when you look at the, I don't know, the next three to five years ahead for you, uh, you know what what's next it sounds like you're focused on galileo getting that really um off the ground in in a big way and focus there and i'm sure you got other things going on but is there anything you can share about what you're curious about or interested in around healthcare or other spaces over the next three to five years yeah i think you know it's fun a lot of my side interests end up overlapping with my core interests and you know i think it's because you know the you know the broadest arc of what interests me is, you know, how do you positively impact society? So healthcare is such a huge pain point that's so important to so many people that it occupies the vast majority of my time. And obviously having a medical background helps as well. So, um, you know, the, what's fun about it is our lens on what healthcare is has become much more broad, right? Uh, if you looked at my medical training and how narrow it was, and then you take on, you know, let's call it, integrative medicine, which is still within medicine, and 
the stuff that we're learning within that space. Then you take a look at behavioral health and mental illness and how that also now extends much more holistically. And then lifestyle medicine more broadly and food as medicine. I just feel like health has become such a broader um, uh, uh, opportunity uh, within uh, how we live that uh, it continues to get interesting and challenging beyond purely just the medicine side. So, um, so that is of interest in my constant kind of learning, um, and um, I'm I'm really interested in you know environment and how we live. Um, so I'm interested in urban design, obviously our impact to climate, and how you know again I'm still beginning some early thinking on that, but how do you make some scalable changes there? Um, and the, the common theme of most of my work is how do you take the economics that move us in almost a unidimensional fashion towards profit maximization and reconfigure capitalism to do more uh, impact to society? And to me, like that's a really interesting model to start to channel the energies of free market forces, but apply it to you know, better common good. And um, and so to me, those are really interesting dimensions that tend to captivate my interest. When you, when you think about, you got me thinking about just healthcare overall. So you're focused on these certain areas of it. And, you know, at least in the time I've been in healthcare, we've been talking about costs continue to go up. There's um, a lot of waste in the system of healthcare. We've got to get to, you know, move more and more to value-based care away from fee-for-service. You hear these things. Um, as you look at it, I mean, what's your sense of how much time we really have to significantly transform or change the healthcare system um, before we before we run out of time where it's just it's just broke? Or do you even do you even think that it that is broke? I mean, or that it's that it's gonna come to some conclusive point where um, we're going to run into a wall. How, how do you think about it just at the macro level? Yeah, I think from my lens, you know, I've described it as just this huge, gigantic iceberg. And so, so many people are attacking it from many different lanes. But I think, you know, the iceberg's starting to crack. And so I think we're going to start to see some um, more radical change uh, Certainly, in the next five years, some change, and then the five to ten year time frame, much more significant change. So I tend to be a little bit more optimistic um, because you know now the market is hitting some constraints, meaning willingness to pay is hitting a ceiling at a real fundamental level, um, and uh, the technology innovation is really you know a, a separate force that's kind of loosening up what's available. Um, I think the underlying slowness is the friction of decision-making within the healthcare system. There are a lot of people that believe in value-based care, and most people, if you just poll-tested everybody through the stack, uh, that believes in that as a principle. Um, but getting it effectuated through all those layers on a consistent, reliable basis, where you know every constituent's acting in their best self-interest, we get that, but they're like, well, we don't want to alienate these people, and well, we don't have the systems to support that. So they're, you know, in spirit, it's all there. Um, in practice, it's still uh, fractured and uh, uh, frictionful, and that's why I think it's been slower to see a lot of value-based winners. Um, 
Uh, so I, I think once we start to see some real big dominant value-based winners, I think that'll start to change things. But you got to put real numbers on the board, and I don't think there are not many people that are putting you know credible, you know, durable numbers on the board. Yeah. yeah. And do you think there's a high probability that maybe um, a, another industry or other big companies, I'm thinking tech or something like that, comes in and comes up with something or something we don't see really disrupts it for the good? Uh, is there something there that just changes the model, or is healthcare just such a different beast? You know, based on the complexities, mm -hmm. that that becomes less probable um, in that in that time period you just mentioned, the five to ten years. It's plausible, but you need the right expertise, and there isn't a lot of the right expertise to drive things through those organizations. So, in theory, the assets are there, uh, and it's plausible, uh, but uh, probable. You know, certainly in the next five years, it, it just the pace of movement of these large organizations can be so rapid that you don't want to underestimate what's probable in the next five years, but certainly plausible. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I was just curious as well, is there any personal impact or silver lining that COVID-19 pandemics had for you? Uh. Yeah, so, you know, from a personal perspective, uh, you know, I've been lucky. I think, uh, you know, obviously we haven't been dramatically impacted personally from COVID and, you know, a lot of people are uh, being hit hard. So uh, we're lucky in that sense. And then um, and then uh, uh, we had a baby girl born during the pandemic. So having um, uh Home time uh, with my newborn has been fantastic, and normally I'm on the road so much that uh, you know just having some uh, uh, daddy daughter time is uh, has been a blessing. Well, congratulations! That's wonderful. That definitely is a silver lining for sure. Um, so, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our our listeners, Tom? No, I think you know uh, people are all doing great work in the healthcare industry as much as it gets. Uh, beaten up and um, you know I'm hopeful that we can all work together and get this thing solved soon well thank you for taking the time to listen I hope uh, listeners walked away with the uh, inspiration that that Tom brings to the different companies that he's started and and uh, founded and and they also get the sense too from Tom that to be a successful entrepreneur you can hear the curiosity is a big part of, of what's driven his success. And also, I would say that, um, you know, when we think about healthcare, I love the takeaway that, hey, the iceberg is starting to crack a bit. And that said, it's probably, you know, five or 10 years before we see some of the transformative changes that are, are really necessary in healthcare. Um, for more information about Galileo, check out their website at galileohealth.com and join us next time as we continue to bring you a healthy dose of insights and perspectives based on conversations with leaders who are transforming healthcare. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes or Spotify or follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter at Dose of Dialogue. Thanks so much, Tom.